Good morning and welcome to Spin Class. We're talking uh, politics, although not the usual type of politics uh, that we are going to talk about this morning. Uh, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. And I'm very pleased to welcome to the show uh, Dr. Mimi Knoll of uh, Montefiore uh, Nyack Hospital, as well as Dr. Ellie Carmody Stone of NYU. Hopefully I got Yes, yep, excellent. You got it. Uh, I got it on the first try. Look at that. Okay. Should have my notes in front of me, but, you know, here we are trying to talk. So uh, as many of you out there know, uh, we have talked about on this show the politics of vaccination. It shouldn't be political, but somehow here in our strange world, it is. And we actually saw it no more in stark contrast this past week at the CPAC conference, the Conservative Political Action Committee conference, where one of the speakers and a panelist who has been a major league vaccine, vaccine skeptic, and I don't want to go, I'm not going to name him, you know, t- talked about the fact that the United States is not hitting its numbers and we're not getting to the vaccination goals. And the audience started clapping as if that was a wonderful thing that people are not vaccinating. And we see at the same time with the Delta variants and other potential mutations that people are now who are unvaccinated are now getting sick once again with COVID in many states with low vaccinations. Missouri's having an outbreak. Other states are having an outbreak. So I wanted to discuss that, and especially with a group that has studied or has been studying vaccine hesitancy in our community, in the Orthodox Jewish community. Uh, Dr. Carmody, Dr. Knoll, welcome to Spin Class. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having us. Okay, so let's start with with the study that you published uh, back in in May. Um, mm-hmm. We've you know we've had a couple people on the show over the last uh, couple months. Every so often, we interspersed various commentary on vaccination in the Orthodox community. But you've actually looked at it from an academic perspective. Uh, give us an idea of how vaccine. Well, first of all, let's talk about vaccine hesitancy. What does it mean? There's a difference between somebody who's an anti-vaxxer and who's vaccine hesitant. Right. I mean, I know we throw all these terms around as if they're one in the same. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, we want to have we want to understand that the um, we want to understand that, you know, what the differences are and why people are, um, you know, are, you know, what they are. Vaccine hesitancy is on a spectrum. And the main difference really between someone who calls themselves anti-vax versus what we would call someone as being vaccine hesitant is really specifically related to this vaccine. We're seeing that many adults that have vaccinated their kids and you know get vaccinated themselves, whether they get the flu vaccine or Tdap or whatever it is that they need to get as adults, they are hesitant about this vaccine specifically. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that it's a new vaccine, but probably more because of the politicization that you had mentioned, Michael, um, which I absolutely agree with. Um, as physicians, you know, we're appalled and upset um, how politicized this whole COVID pandemic and the vaccine itself has become. And the reason why it's so frustrating is because we don't want it to be about politics. We want it to be about the science. And the science is clear that the vaccine works. It saves lives. 
And those who are what we would call vaccine hesitant, meaning they're worried about this vaccine specifically, um, our goal is to teach them about the safety about the vaccine and why it's important to get vaccinated. And again, that's very different than anti-vax, which, you know, people sort of self-identify and say, well, you know, I don't believe in vaccines and very often they're very militant about it. Um, they're unfortunately very well funded. When I say they, I mean in quotation marks. We don't actually know who is funding these large-scale efforts to um, spread disinformation in the Orthodox community. They're clearly well funded. Um, they're clearly well organized. Um, and their goal is to sow fear and doubt about vaccines in general and certainly about this new vaccine. Dr. Carmody, uh Based on your research, where where do you see most of the community or the community lying on the on these issues? Uh, Pro-vax, anti-vax, vaccine hesitancy, or it's just a f very fluid situation right now? Yeah, I think it's a fluid situation. Um, and I think that, so one of the, our study was done actually sort of towards the beginning of the vaccine rollout in January, December, late December and January. Um, and at that time, we were seeing that there were very few people um, it, who uh, would, would accept a vaccine, a COVID-19 vaccine. But there was a large group that was in the middle, so around 40% were kind of in the middle. Um, and then 47% were pretty, um, they were stating clearly that they did not want uh, the vaccine. Um, again, this was at the beginning of the rollout, and the community that we were looking at um, was uh, the Borough Park, Williamsburg, Hasidic community for the most part. Um, and it was a fairly small sample size, um, about 100 people who um, we, uh, we did survey within uh, various uh, pediatrician offices, um, essentially a, a, a group which consisted mainly of younger women um, who were in pediatricians' offices. And we were asking about their feelings on COVID-19, um, the impact of COVID-19 on them and their families and their community, um, and then also um, how, what their feelings were about the vaccine. and. And why might they have uh, different reasons for being um, hesitant to take the vaccine? And your understanding is there was a there was a stark difference between men and women, between younger and older. I mean, back in the beginning, if you if I recall empirically, the people, of course, the eligibility requirements were very uh, significant. Many people were desperate to get the vaccine, particularly those who are eligible. There were lines. There were all kinds of people trying to get appointments uh, desperately. And now once the, you know, once the supply has increased, the demand, of course, went down significantly. Uh, you know, there's so many reasons in my, from my point of view uh, why, you know, why that is. And I think they made it, the government made it incredibly difficult. And, you know, so at, at a time when there was uh, the the people were sick and was going around and then it be opened up and people were no longer sick so people no longer felt compelled to do anything um, yeah. but uh, but you know give me a more scientific analysis of that um, so you know I think at the beginning um, as you mentioned there there was significant restriction to who, who could obtain the vaccine back when we did this survey it was mainly um, healthcare providers and then uh, it expanded to the elderly and then the first sort of round of essential workers in New York at least. Um, and 
in terms of the you know reasons for being hesitant, um, we did not see that there was a, a difference between men and women. Um, we didn't see that there was a difference in age. Um, what we saw was uh, when we analyzed the, the sort of perceptions of COVID and, and um, sentiments about COVID-19 and its impact, its seriousness, we found that there was an association between those who were vaccine hesitant and those who felt that um, antibodies were protective for COVID. So when somebody developed, has had prior COVID, that they feel that they're protected, um, that prior COVID infection can allow you to lead a, a normal life and return to community life. Um, and then finally, that there was an association between those who were vaccine hesitant and those who had lost trust in, the, their, uh, the, in their physicians or in, in physicians in general. And I think that, you know, there were, there were also associations. Those were, those were what came out of what is called a logistic regression analysis. Those were sort of independent predictors of vaccine hesitancy in this sample. Um, you know, what else came out of our analysis was that um, people, people had concerns about the safety of the vaccines. They had concerns about um, the, the speed of development of the vaccines. So, you know, what came out for me from this survey was that these were perceptions that I think, you know, are shared um, by the larger American community. Um, and I think that are quite reasonable, honestly. And I, I don't think that there was to, to, it didn't come out that there were significant conspiracy theories. Um, it's the fact that people were associating um, a lack of a need to get a vaccine with having prior COVID. I think that that's a nuanced question and a nuanced perspective uh, that I feel deserves a conversation. Um, and I, I feel that, it, you know, for, from, what I, from what we saw, it was, it was a very reasonable sentiments from this community and concerns. Dr. Noel, you want to add anything to the idea that people, you know, the, the conventional wisdom or sorry, the medical establishment seems to feel that you should get vaccinated anyway. But so many people feel that, you know, I have antibodies, I don't need to. And therefore, you know, and that seems to be prevailing in, in Israel, but less prevailing in the U.S. as far as you know, that attitude um, you know, it's very confusing for people. I think Dr. Carmody, you know, brought it up. I mean, it's really confusing for people to try and understand, you know, and then they get called vaccine hesitant because they want to, you know, they're kind of unsure about how things, you know, should go. Obviously, everybody, I don't think anybody wants to be sick. Um, I think that that's, that's the case. But, you know, where, where you know, where, from what you're seeing out there in, you know, in your, and I should have mentioned, I'm sorry, I didn't talk about JOMA uh, to begin with, uh, the Jewish Orthodox uh, Women's uh, Medical Association, which represents uh, Orthodox uh, Jewish uh, women's doctors uh, around the country, um, of which you were the president, and uh, Dr. Carmody is an, is an active member. Um, so from a JOMA perspective, or from your perspective, uh, we, you know, what you see out there in the community is it, people are very confused about it. Does that make them vaccine hesitant? Uh, who are they listening to? Are they not listening to the right people? I, you know, and this this confusing uh, amount of information that's out there. Yeah, so I, I echo what you said and what Dr. Carmody said, which is that the concerns of the Orthodox community are very similar than the concerns of all, you know, 
United States citizens and, and worldwide um, from our understanding in the sense that people have questions about the vaccine rollout, the vaccine development, the timeline, antibodies, you know, who should get it, why is important to get all these kinds of things. And our work at JOMA, um, which Dr. Carmody has been incredibly instrumental as an infectious disease um, expert, um, you know, sharing information geared towards the Orthox community. But again, you know, everything we share is basically universal in terms of the medical content itself and the concerns that we're addressing. Regarding the question of immunity, the fact is that COVID is a new disease. And Dr. Carmody can definitely give more details here, but I'll just start with the general perspective. We know that when people recover from an illness, they remain with a level of immunity. That's the case for every virus. Now, there are some viruses which can recur even with you know, immunity, even after a person has recovered. And there are some viruses where there is what we, we would consider lifelong immunity. It's unclear exactly how long immunity from a COVID infection lasts. It's also unclear how long immunity from a COVID vaccine lasts. But it's absolutely a fact that there is some immunity after a COVID infection. And I would think I would say that the nuance specifically in the orthodox immunity is most that many of the orthodox immunity have had COVID and therefore is a larger percentage of the orthodox who have this question, well, I've had COVID, I know I have immunity, should I get vaccinated? And actually just this morning I was discussing with a physician from Israel, you know, right now Israel is offering one vaccine to those who've recovered from a COVID infection. You know, initially they weren't offering it to those who've had COVID at all. What are your thoughts, Dr. Carmody? As, as yeah, I can add a little and, bit. And add in there, and add in there the booster shot, because I think that that's another thing that I wanted to get to that's that's confusing for people right now. The difference mm -hmm. is now we, uh, with the booster shot. Okay. So in terms of people who have had prior COVID, uh, you know, I have my feelings about that. I, I think that um, there has, the messaging from the public health establishment has been confusing. And I think that the, the lack of recognition that people who have had COVID are coming from a different place in terms of their risk benefit analysis of getting a vaccine. The failure of the public health establishment to recognize that and the failure to tailor vaccine strategies, which they have done more successfully in Israel, um, and differentiate between these two groups, meaning those who've had COVID and those who have not, I think has led to tremendous confusion and doubt and uncertainty. And it seems that the strategy in Israel has been very successful. And we know from good immunologic data uh, that somebody who has, has had COVID and receives one dose of an mRNA vaccine has very, very robust immunity, very robust neutralizing capacity to all of these different variants, including the Delta variant, which is the, the, the variant that we're facing now. So to me, um, it would make sense that rather than require everybody who has had um, COVID to get two vaccines, I'm perfectly satisfied if somebody who has had COVID gets one dose of a vaccine. And I think that that view is becoming a much more dominant view within the infectious diseases community. 
I have friends within the infectious diseases community. I mean, many, most of us, I think, agree with this. Um, and the, I have friends who work for the CDC who agree with this. So, it, but the, the ability to get a large bureaucracy to change its recommendation in this country is, uh, it's very uh, difficult. So I don't know if we'll see it's a change in the actual ACIP recommendations or the CDC recommendations. But I think that we have um, enough uh, and substantial data to support the people who have had COVID need only one dose of an mRNA vaccine to feel to be sufficiently protected. If you get two, that's fantastic. That's, you know, it's even better. But I, I think that one dose is sufficient. And what about the booster, the Pfizer booster, right? Now, Pfizer wants to add the third shot for some people, and that's mm-hmm. already happening in Israel for some people immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. And the medical establishment, or at least, I'm sorry, the government, the White House, seems to have pushed back to, no, you don't really need it. Mm-hmm. So now, right, if you're a lay person like me, you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, uh, I'm supposed to get a third shot. I'm not supposed to get a third shot. Or as you said, like I had COVID, I'm supposed to get a second shot. I'm not supposed to get a second shot. Like I trust you, Dr. Carmody. I trust Dr. Noll. I don't necessarily trust some bureaucrat sitting in Atlanta. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and I don't I don't think very, I'm just giving you the straw man. I don't think very highly of what this, how the CDC has yeah. responded to the pandemic in general. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, so, you know, I'm a regular person. What do I do? And, and you know, of course, then I'm, labeled as a anti-vaxxer if I'm not, if I'm skeptical of some of this information because it's confusing. Right. I don't think you should be labeled as an anti-vaxxer. That absolutely. And I think that this uncertainty is very, very reasonable. Um, And I think that we're receiving information from the CEO of Pfizer right now, which, you know, fine, that's one opinion. But I I think that um, I'd like to hear that from actual medical professionals. And that's not what we're hearing at this point. I do think, you know, from what I've seen in patients in the transplant community, those who've had organ transplants, those are who are significantly immunocompromised, whether it's either from a bone marrow transplant or it's, it's from a solid organ transplant, those patients really do have a difficult time mounting a robust immune response to these vaccines. So, and they have found that the third dose makes a difference. That was just discussed on, a, on an NIH call from the um, COVPN network, which is um, a network that I'm on looking at these vaccines. So that, uh, I think it's reasonable to be able to offer a third dose to that subpopulation um, who's had transplant or who's significantly immunocompromised. For the vast majority of us, I I really don't think that we have the data to support the need for a third dose at this time. I really don't. And, you know, when, if we start seeing significant breakthrough infections within our um, vaccinated community, Maybe, maybe we'll need the that third dose, but I think it's really premature to rec- make a recommendation for the booster dose for the for the general community, for the adult community, and certainly not for those who've had COVID. Michael, I wanted to point out something that you had mentioned. You know, talking about um, you know the trust factor. I think going through COVID has really you know taught me and and, and many of my colleagues you know the perception of how drugs are developed, how the medical community comes up with recommendations, how the CDC comes up with recommendations. These things are very unclear to the public. And it's understandable that people are frustrated, angry, and have a lot of mistrust with the government. And certainly 
COVID happened during a time of, you know, tremendous unrest and upheaval in our, in our government. People should understand that everyone's coming from a different place. As physicians, we are not getting paid to recommend a vaccine. We are sharing information from a medical perspective. And I really commend Dr. Carmody for speaking so frankly about this because, you know, there are a lot of doctors who, you know, won't go against or quote unquote against anything the CDC says. But the, the point is the CDC is coming from their own place, which is they're a, a public health organization and they make the rules, you know, for everyone. So what happened when the CDC changed their guidelines, right? First they said, you know, everyone has to mask and then they change it, okay, you don't have to mask outdoors. And then they change it, you don't have to mask indoors. Did the data change overnight from the second they, you know, posted their update on their website? No, of course not. It's an accumulation of data. It's an accumulation of conversations. So it makes sense that physicians like ourselves are going to have discussions that are maybe different than what you're hearing from other doctors. It's a conversation that's moving towards a place where we're very comfortable saying something with close to certainty. Um, it's a process and that's what medicine is. That's what science is. The scientific method is when you do an experiment, when you collect data, it has to be reproducible again and again and again and again. And that's, we're just not there yet. We're not there with COVID. We're not there with the vaccine where we can say it again and again and again with certainty that you only need one dose or you only need two doses. We're just not there yet. People shouldn't see that as a sign that we don't have, you know, that nobody should be trusted. It should come from an understanding of that's a process of getting towards scientific knowledge and trying to save lives. Great. So that's actually a great segue because I want I don't want the public or the people listening to this show to be left with this idea because there's so much uncertainty. They should go out there and do nothing. Uh, I want to talk specifically about vaccination and whether it will save your life potentially to, to do it. Uh, I mean, I think that it's da the data that we see, particularly right now, with areas of the country, and I'm saying specifically in the U.S., people who are not vaccinated are getting sick. People who are vaccinated are not getting sick. Uh, I think that, I mean, I know that's a very unscientific statement, but it seems to be empirically true. Uh, so I just I want to get a sense from both of you is people I think it's pretty clear despite all some of these little nuances second dose third dose etc uh, masks no mask if you're vaccinated all that will the is the vaccine important does the will the vaccine potentially save your life and, or and or the life of somebody else. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that it's very important to be vaccinated. And I think the Delta variant is really showing us that. Um, it is very important if you have not had COVID to be vaccinated and to get two doses of the vaccine uh, if, you're, if you're considering the mRNA vaccine, which is, uh, I would say, more highly efficacious than the Johnson & Johnson vaccine um, in terms of if you have not had COVID. So two doses of vaccine for those who um, have never had COVID. Um, it's pretty clear that that's necessary at this time, and I would go out and do it. Um, COVID is alive and well in, in New York, and I have to just give an anecdote, and that is the fact that my one of the nurses that I work for with, sorry, that I work with, uh, just got COVID yesterday. She was not vaccinated. 
the rest of us are fine. We've all had negative tests. We've been working with her every day. We've all been vaccinated. She had not been vaccinated. She has COVID. Okay. So, you know, I think that there is a tremendous risk for people who have not been vaccinated um, at this point, um, you know, going around living their lives. Um, and I think if you've had if you've had COVID, I would recommend the one dose of an mRNA vaccine. That's my personal recommendation. Um, and you know, I think that that can vary. You can get one or you can get two. But I do think it's important to be vaccinated, even if you've had COVID. You've we know that reinfection occurs. We've seen it, um, and we know that um, you know there's about an eighty percent protective effect of prior COVID um, at about one year out. 80% it's not 100%. Why not get why not do the right thing and protect your community and and provide yourself and your community with a higher immunity level. We know that you people people achieve that robust immunity after the vaccine. So, um I I think these vaccines are safe and I think that they are we've now had 3.6 billion doses in the world given of the COVID vaccines. That's a lot of data to say that they're safe and efficacious. Um, and, I, and I really do trust this process. And I'll stop there, Mimi. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I'm happy that we're at a point where we're comfortable and there isn't a sense of urgency about COVID. That's a good thing. Let's keep it that way. If you're not vaccinated, Go get vaccinated. It's not too late. You know, you don't need to make um, any sort of a, a announcement about it. If you're not interested, um, you can if you'd like to. Um, it, it doesn't need to be a big deal. You know, maybe you weren't sure, but, you know, at this point, like Dr. Carmody said, billions of people have been vaccinated, not millions, billions. And, um, you know, you would know if people were, quote unquote, dropping like flies or getting really sick from it. That's, that's not happening. And, um, you know, we at JOMA, you know, and, and other positions, you know, we're not looking for personal gain. We're looking to keep our patients and our communities and our families safe. And the best way to do that at this time is to get vaccinated. Okay, well, that is going to be the last word because uh, it's the right word. So we're going to end with that. Dr. Mimi Knoll, Dr. Ellie Carmody, really appreciates uh, your insight and analysis. Uh, that's it for this week. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Joseph. See you next week. Mm-hmm.